0: morning guys and welcome to today's live stream we're going to be talking all about how you can train your core effectively to help back pain does training your core really help back pain and the answer in this video in short is going to be yes but it can also hinder your back pain if you do it wrong so hopefully you guys are going to find this video really really helpful this is perfect for you if you maybe you've injured your back in the past and you're trying to you know you know to work your core to to build up and provide stability for your back so we want to avoid you making any of these mistakes but also if you're in our back in shape membership site uh, and you're moving on through the latter stages sometimes people want to add in different core exercises hopefully by the end of this video you'll have a better understanding of how we should train the core if you didn't already maybe it's a little bit of a refresher for you so you don't accidentally fall into some of those pitfalls along the way when it comes to core training it's a fantastic way of stabilizing your back pain but we just want to make sure you don't make any of those simple mistakes and they're easily avoidable but it's also easy to fall into them so If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We do these live streams every single weekday. Hit the notification bell so you go live. Today's no different. We've got Lara the other side of the camera. She'll be reading out your questions for the Q&A at the back end of the live stream. So if any of this doesn't make sense or prompts some further questions, or maybe it's unrelated, maybe you've got back pain yourself and you're struggling a little bit and you want a, a few little pointers, then please do post those in the comments below, whether you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. And with that out of the way, let's get into today's live stream. So we wanted to make today's live stream as useful as possible for you guys. So I'm gonna go through some sort of more concrete tips for you here alongside a little bit of sort of information and principles. And it's principles that really help you guys um, because they're applicable to a wide variety of topics similar to what we covered the other day with regards to those household activities or daily activities. If you've got principles, you can apply them to lots of different things, lots of different core exercises and evaluate them on a case by case basis rather than just having a list of okay exercises because sometimes that can get a little a little bit mundane Um, But that's that's that. Now, the first one we wanna avoid is the mistakes of building your core wrong. I wanna get this out of the way first so you guys don't make the mistakes. And there's three common exercises that people will gravitate to immediately when they think of training their core. And if you've got a back injury of some sort and there's sort of disc bulges or disc injuries or spondylosis, spondylolisthesis, we've got degenerative disc disease, sciatica, whatever it is, these are not going to be helpful for you for really a number of reasons. And those are gonna be the sit-ups, or crunches, the leg raises, and then the worst one of all, which is often the most common, uh, commonly done or commonly gravitated to, is gonna be those Russian twists. And I'm gonna explain to you guys three reasons why these are not a good idea uh, for you guys, because it's really important that you understand why. Now, first of all, we're going to cover the, the the structure of the back a little bit later, and that will reinforce what we're talking about. But all of those activities that I just mentioned, they involve a flexion based movement. It is either flexion, which in of itself is commonly one of the causes for these lower back injuries. We've bent forwards with bad form. As we flex our spine, it loses its integrity and therefore cannot load bear as well as it should do not as safely either because the load is heavily shifted towards the front on those discs and the the integrity that's stretched through these structures so it's less tight it's less able to bear weight if we think of someone maybe doing a squat a, a heavy a heavy heavy squat that power lifter will really contract down they'll bind in ready to take on that weight and when we flex and forward bend the lumbar spine we're making everything loose it's not really engaging effectively to be able to to to, to load bare just our own body weight, let alone any additional weight. So we want everything to have a nice lordosis. And these particular exercises at the top here do not involve having a lordosis when we're doing them at all. So we're going to lose the stability in the lumbar spine. The next one is going to be the flexion with the twist. And this is the classic one. Many of you will either personally or know someone else who's bent down, for example, in the morning to put your socks on, which involves a forward bend, a flexion there, and a a little bit of a rotation and we just dislocated a joint at the bottom there, that's helpful. Um, A little bit of flexion and a little bit of rotation and that is a really really bad one. It's one that puts a lot of stress on those discs, it weakens the discs as well and then exploits. And I just want to touch on how some of those disc fibres work because it's worth noting down the bottom here, uh, with regards to the disc fibres in your lumbar spine, We've got a number of them arranged in order and then we've got the nuclear material in the middle. This is sort of the jam that kind of herniates out in the future when you you have that disc herniation. And if we've got some minor tears and we have a nice neutral spine, let's suppose that this one's torn here. It's managing to cope effectively because all of these are lined up and the weak one is kind of protected. The weak fiber that's a little bit torn and injured is kind of protected by the whole working. And as long as we maintain a nice neutral position this the status quo remains so but as we twist we essentially disengage every other one of these fibers and therefore let's just suppose that this one gets taken out and this one gets taken out and this one gets taken out because of that rotation and that's partially getting into a little bit more complexities of the structure of your disc. And now these two are the primary load-bearing discs for that brief moment in time, or primary load-bearing ligaments for that brief moment in time as we're twisting to put our socks on. And now the compression from the flexion drives this disc out and it only has to go through two, one of which is weakened. So it, it really highlights or can highlight the vulnerability in a particular part of your disc, what's called the annulus fibrosis. It's got lots of little ligaments and as we rotate, and compress it puts tremendous amount of pressure through there and can expose any weaknesses which is why that putting the socks on in the morning a seemingly simple activity that's not too strenuous is the one that often is the last little one that, that that causes that severe back pain or disc bulge even though it's probably been weakened for a little while so it's worth bearing that in mind and if we're doing our primary ab exercises and they involve that rotation and flexion then we're going to be getting into a lot of trouble or just running unnecessary risk. And then the second thing, or the the third thing, sorry, is going to be, these a lot of these exercises are very unfunctional. They're not useful in a daily basis in terms of how the core works. And that's what we're gonna get onto next. You need to be training your core in the way in which it actually functions in daily, in, in, on a daily basis. That might be, for example, as you're walking along the road and you miss the step, for example, as you're going into the, onto the pavement or off the pavement and your body Gets swung off to one side, it's your core's role to quickly engage and decelerate that movement off to the side so that you don't injure anything. As your spine is walking along nicely, da 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 da, and then you miss a step and everything goes off to the side. Well, your core here steps in to hold everything steady and your legs soak, soak it up, rather than having an awful bend through the spine, which results in an injury. So we need to train the core in a way that is appropriate. And I've said this time and time again, how many times do you do an ab crunch to get down to pick something up off the ground? Now, yes, bringing your feet up to, the, to to put your shoes on or put socks on does involve a little bit of flexion and a little bit of ab contraction if we're not flexible enough in our hips, which is another topic for another live stream, but we don't use our core to bend down. What we do when we're bending down is we engage our midsection and we slowly lower with the extensors. We use all of these muscles down here to slowly lower ourselves down to the ground and then lift ourselves up. And the core's role, as you can see on this diagram, which we'll get into in a moment, is there to protect and stabilize the spine in its neutral position. So if you guys have any questions on that or maybe some other core exercises that you guys have done, then please do post those in the comments and we will cover those or discuss those or break those down a little bit later in the live stream. So how is your back strong? I've already covered this, but essentially there's two factors. There's number one is that we have a lordosis. The lordosis, commonly people will get a bit confused about the lordosis. oh, I've got lordosis if 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 a if a report or a practitioner or a mri comes back and it says you have a lordosis or you have lordosis that basically is like saying you have two arms it's a statement of fact it's got no real relevance in any any it's not uh, relevant from a diagnostic point of view other than saying yes you do have in fact two arms you have a lordosis you should have a lordosis it is not a problem now if we have hyper lordosis or hypo lordosis that means too much or too little then it should be measured it should be measured and then you should have a quantifiable value of how much too much is is it 20 percent is it 20% loss? Is it 60%, etc.? And that allows you to then adjust things. But given normal radiology findings and normal alignment, we have a smooth curve through the lumbar spine, which allows the spine to be strong. And then from the front, which is this diagram here, it should be straight. Now the big problem here is if we do have things like scoliosis, those do make things more difficult. But what I'm about to talk about, if you have any sort of deviations in the spine from the front, any S-shaped curves, this is more important for you because you will need to overcompensate in the muscles to really protect from that scoliosis getting worse. Because if we have a slight scoliosis, as gravity is pressing down on us, it's going to accentuate that and that is not particularly helpful for the short, medium or long term, especially if you've got a back injury. So be careful with that. Now, when we're looking, we're getting now into sort of how the core protects this region. So we've got that nice lordosis. We should not be flattening the arch because of what we mentioned earlier. Flattening the arch is going to destabilize the lumbar spine, load the disc excessively, and is a fantastic way to end up in trouble. So please don't do any of that. I know that there's a lot of classes, and we won't get into it too much, where you will get taught to tuck the bum under to help you engage the core, we won't get into that too much, but essentially that's the reason for that is to try and help you avoid doing other things wrong. When in actual fact, what we want you to do is engage your core in a neutral position and just do it properly, rather than trying to come up with little cheat, uh, cheats or little hacks to avoid certain issues whilst making the prospects of other issues increase in, in, in frequency. So we wanna really be mindful of why we're being taught these little tips and tricks sometimes, because although it may help avoid one issue, it's not going to help in the long run because it's teaching you tricks that aren't transferable to being upright. Now, The red here is your core section and we often refer to it as a corset. It's basically the the, the transverse abdominus muscles, the obliques and this cylindrical type corset that fits around our lumbar spine and our midsection. It runs from our lower ribs all the way around here, all the way around to the back to the spine. It plugs in along the spine down here and then it comes around the hips over here and attaches in around this region here. Sometimes when you're doing these core engagement exercises, you're going to feel that it's pulling a little bit on the lower back here and here on the attachment sites or up here on the lower ribs as well, as well as on the front, you might feel it as well. So don't be alarmed at any of that, that's entirely normal. But that core is there to provide that corset-like protection through your spine and we should be engaging our core when we're doing any of our exercises to build the core. It's about the core, providing that corset-like stability and protection for the lumbar spine. And what does that look like? One of the ways we teach people in the Back in Shape members area, the free free, free area, one of the very first exercises, because it's that important, is the ability to keep the spine straight and relax the stomach completely and then draw it in like so. So it really provides that corset-like protection as opposed to being out like that. We draw it nice and in. Yeah, and now we have that corset turned on. Nope, my spine did not move. I didn't do that, okay, which is so common. That's flattening the lumbar spine to engage the core. If that's the only way that you've been taught to engage your core muscles, then you're gonna really struggle because that means that when you stand up, the only way you can engage your core is by flattening the lordosis. It's not helpful, it's teaching you uh, through a little cheat, how to do it, but it's not a transferable to being upright. So we wanna teach you to engage that core. Why is that so important when it comes to back exercises? Well, if you're part of the Back in Shape membership, you'll know that a lot of our core exercises involve you holding that corset-like stability to provide protection to that section of the spine so that when we're doing other exercises, be it, for example, some of the dead bugs that we mentioned before, where the leg is going out, we're creating a pull on the spine, a pull away from the neutral position. And the role of the core here is to stabilize the spine so that as that leg's going out that direction, if we put the leg in here, somewhere around here, there we are. As that leg's going out like so, and it's pulling the spine into extension, it's pulling the spine off center out of neutral. Our core is there to work effortlessly and effectively to stabilize and protect that lumbar spine. And that, if you've got back pain, is something that's so important. If we can stabilize the spine in spite of it being pulled in different directions, that's gonna give you true stability and co- true protection for that lumbar spine in the medium and long-term. And then over the course of a program and a period of time, you're looking to increase your core's ability to maintain stability, to maintain balance, just like the rest of our all We're always trying to move back to a state of balance, a, mi- a middle uh, stableness. And that's what we're doing with our core when we're doing these exercises. We're providing a state of balance, coming back to the center in spite of forces outside of our body, pulling us off in different directions. And that's really the key to the core engagement exercises. So that's doing things like our dead bugs, some of the other exercises that we incorporate that involves the core holding a nice neutral position whilst we're being pulled in different directions. So hopefully that's been helpful. I think we'll just recap things very, very briefly once more before we go to Q and A. So if you've got any questions, then please do post those in the comments underneath. First and foremost, don't make these mistakes when you're building your core. If you're someone who's had back pain in the past or you're coming out of back pain, you're doing well with your rehab, avoid these sorts of exercises because they have no place in a core engagement program. Do other things that are more fun um, rather than trying to add these in to make things more difficult. We've got things like sit-ups, leg raises and Russian twists which all involve forward bending and they really do expose those discs in particular when we're talking about core exercises and back pain. We wanna avoid flexion, flexion with twisting and exercises that are functionally quite useless because they're not gonna train your core in the right way and they're not going to get you geared up for daily life in terms of the stress and challenges that your spine may take when you miss a curb, when you have to carry something, when you have to move your child in and out of the car seat or do some gardening. They're not gonna help in those scenarios. We want to make sure that we're maintaining when we are doing our core, a nice neutral curve in the spine and we want to maintain straight from the front. We don't want to be leaning to any side and we want to use that corset-like strength that corset-like contraction to engage around the entirety of the lumbar spine to provide protection and hold us in that neutral position and then embark upon those exercises that we're doing and i've mentioned in here obviously the back in shape exercises that we do in phase two and phase three and those really follow these principles and you will find that they do work your core they work your core in a productive manner and you really will build some core strength and not injure your back in the process so we am going to Q and A.
1: Okay, brilliant. Good morning, everybody. Right, I'm gonna go straight into Facebook for a couple of questions. So okay. uh, Alex Vesco has asked, are planks safe? Also, I used to do a star balancing on one leg and one arm, the corresponding limbs opposite in the air. Would it be okay to go back to that?
0: Um, so on the, on the topic of the plank, um, I generally say I probably would leave it out to be completely honest. Um, there's other there's other ways we could do those sorts of things. Yes, later on when you're when you're stable, when you're in a position where you're doing really really well, you can introduce a plank uh, because it's again it's a static hold. But we must be mentally very very aware of if we're losing our alignment in the early stages. And I really would say for three four five months or so also maybe even up to six months, I would leave planks out because a straight plank on your front massively increases the intradiscal pressure at the L5-S1. So if we have any vulnerabilities down there, Alex, particularly that L5-S1, we are going to load that disc a little bit more. So I would steer clear from planks. Now, things like those star raises, et cetera, um, that you've mentioned being on all fours, that there are little exercises similar to that that can actually be quite good. But again, the same same process is true of those as of the plank. They are very advanced exercises. And if we've got any weakness, we have to remember that the disc material in our lumbar spine, the ligamentous structures around there do take a long period of time to recover. So we're talking about a good period of months before we might challenge or might test some of those more challenging exercises. But again, if you're working towards that principle of holding the spine in a neutral position and engaged, then those particular exercises, I believe, do not involve any particular rotations. It's all about a static hold. So I would say they would be okay for the future. Much, much better than something like a Russian twist, et cetera. So okay, but maybe a little bit premature, um, especially the second one.
1: Okay, brilliant. He said, great explanation. Thank you. Awesome. Um, on Good YouTube, uh, Joe has asked, I find yoga really helps my back but we do a lot of twisting and forward folding. Is that going to irritate my herniated disc?
0: Yes. Um, We've we've had a few discussions, I think in the clinic more than on the live streams recently about yoga. And um, yoga is a, it's got loads and loads of great benefits, but yoga is a skill. Um, it, It is, it is a, activity that requires a high level, much, much more than the average uh, degree of flexibility in a number of joints, hips, back, shoulders, etc And for someone with back pain to start embarking upon those activities is like taking up elite trampolining um, you just will not have the flexibility or the durability or the skill to be able to do these exercises effectively. And if we are doing these rotationary exercises with forward bending, I really would encourage to leave those out. Focus a little bit more on um, exercises that are going to improve the flexibility of the hips in in isolation rather than gross movements or yoga flows that involve the lumbar spine, because they're likely to to shine a light on certain weaknesses that you may have in the area in both flexibility and strength, and therefore lead to a bit of trouble. So I think you're better off preparing, maybe if yoga is something you wanna get back into, we need to have a look at some of the flows that you're going to end up doing in the future and, and look at, okay, what flexibility do we need here and what strength do we need here? But for most people with back pain, they need to focus on strength first, and later on they can build back in that flexibility um, once they've got a bit of strength because if you build up more flexibility and you don't build up strength you now have a more wobbly structure that you need to contend with and that requires muscular energy to uh, be expended to provide support for that we see this a lot in um, hyperflexible people that have been dancers or gymnasts in the past once they lose that natural strength that they've had during those activities they really do start to struggle with that hypermobility so we want to be mindful of that.
1: Okay Pauline has asked here, as a woman of a certain age I am quite thick around the middle and have bursitis in both hips. Will aerobic exercises and walking help with the lower back pain?
0: No um so aerobic exercises and and walking uh, they're not really going to help with the back pain and if we're doing excessive amounts they could potentially be a little problematic for the bursitis because the bursa there is is there to protect uh it's there to basically smooth the process of your glutes rubbing over it's kind of the bit on the side here i'm guessing down here this bony bit here, well, there's tendons that glide over one another. So doing lots of walking is going to cause more rubbing over that particular bursa than not. You might wanna get some ice on that area to help calm down the inflammation. But I would suggest that um, doing the sort of the resistance-based exercises are going to be more helpful for you in both endeavors, both losing the weight and protecting the back.
1: Okay, awesome, Alex, I will get to your question. I'm just trying to do them in a, in a particular order. Um, John has asked, is walking again uh, good for back strengthening?
0: no no this is a really big mistake and i think we probably need to do a dedicated live stream on just why walking is, is really not helpful we see we, we did cover briefly about uh muscle strength resistance and balance in in one of the live streams that we did on balance and too many times people as they move into the into sort of their 40s 50s and 60s and beyond they start to rely on things like walking people patients will come into the clinic and say oh well i do walking to stay fit is that okay and and that's that's fine for cardiovascular if you're going to do that but it is not doing anything at all to provide a remedy for the weaknesses that are are involved in back pain we need to be doing some resistance-based exercises to help us in build, building strength and stability for that back. And yes, walking has a place. We always recommend to patients to do a little bit of walking, especially in the early days when they've got back pain, because it is a good means of mobilizing the spine. But we need to do a dedicated resistance program. And the great news is, it doesn't matter how old you are, you do have the ability to reactivate some of these muscle fibers and get them working again and build them. It just takes a little bit longer than when you're in your 20s, but it is definitely worthwhile doing because it will protect your back for the long term and mean that if you do ever have any accidents in the future falls knocks anything like that you are going to bounce back an awful lot faster than the person that has just been doing walking to stay fit because walking is not efficient uh, it's not it's not it's not a well rounded enough exercise
1: Okay, awesome. And just a couple of new names um, asking questions. So if you're not already um, a free member of our Back in Shape program, you can always sign up. Phase 1 is completely free. Yeah, there'll be a
0: link probably in the description already.
1: All right, Alex, next question. So uh, the Phase 1 psoas exercise, which part of the psoas muscle does it engage, Alex Parks?
0: It's going to be, well, okay, so you could say you've got the iliacus, so you've got the iliopsoas muscle, which is basically um, this muscle here. Uh, it comes from here and then goes down and then you've got the uh, the psoas part which runs from here down. The reality is we can't engage individual muscles. Uh, when we're doing these sorts of exercises, you're going to be using the whole thing. And you're going to be using, when you do that exercise, you're not just going to be doing psoas, you're going to be using a bit of rectus femoris. And any muscle that involves, I think this is the great thing about our body. We don't have one muscle that will move one joint. We have numerous muscles that work in tandem with one another to stabilize the motion. The fact that you're moving it through the middle You're not moving. allowing the leg to fall out means that at the same time as you're moving the psoas up or using the psoas to move the leg up alongside the rectus femoris, you're also using a bit of sartorius, which is another muscle uh, that runs across the front of the thigh. You're also using your adductors, if we just point on me. So we've got your adductors on here, which are stopping your leg from falling out. But there's also a tension between them and your glutes, which stop your legs from falling in, all the while as you're bringing your leg up towards your towards your torso. So the, none of these exercises are purely isolational. Obviously, psoas is the major muscle that we're working there. It's the one that people can most likely um, uh, relate to, but it's much more complex than that in terms of the way in which the human body works. These are built-in mechanisms to protect specific joints from from functioning. If they only have one muscle that works uh, works them, then they're going to get in trouble.
1: Okay, awesome. And um, just following on, Hope that Alex, makes sense. Alex has said so. The serratus muscle is a very uh, is a very long one. So, is it the whole length of it? Cheers, that's working.
0: Yeah, you can't. You, muscles can only contract or, or, or shorten. Um, they can't. You can't kind of say. If, I mean, imagine your bicep. You can't say, "I'm going to move this part of the bicep in here." All you can do is contract those motor units. Um, we unless we've got a um, a, a, a fulcrum in the middle, etc., or a, a tenderness insert halfway through. The whole muscle either contracts or it lengthens. That that that's quite simple.
1: Yeah, I think you explained it really well the other day when we were to, when you were talking about the web of muscles and mm-hmm. fascia and everything and the way that when you are working out you are using everything yeah. that does that particular movement. Yeah, Very yeah. Difficult to specifically isolate a muscle. No,
0: it really is. Uh, And definitely in terms of isolating part of a muscle, you, you can't really do that.
1: Okay, awesome, let's keep going. So Keith has asked here, what is the best way to get up off the floor without twisting?
0: Uh, we definitely did, we did a video in the premium membership for, for that particular one, so definitely check that one out. Uh, but in essence, we want to do it in a way that is not, it's a b- bit practically difficult for me to do that, but we, we want principles. That's why we talk about principles. We want to do it in a way that is not going to lead to bending of our spine. All too often, people will get into that child's pose where they round their back after they've got onto their front. Try and roll onto your side and use your arms to get up. If you're doing the exercises on the floor, then do them next to the bed so you've got that support to help lift yourself up off the floor with a straight spine. We should have hip. Flex. We should be using our hips and our leg muscles to help us get off the floor rather than rounding our back excessively. Keep your spine neutral. Imagine someone's tied a. Um, a broom a broom handle from here down to your bum and that's going to stay nice and still the whole way through that movement getting up off the floor and that is going to be the best way for you okay and engage your core
1: okay joe's come back she said i find after doing a glute uh sorry not glute i find after doing bridge strengthening work my glutes tighten and that pulls and irritates my back what am i doing wrong
0: nothing Um, you're not doing anything wrong I suspect Um, you've just been working your glutes Uh, so uh, as a a personal example if you didn't know already I've probably mentioned it more than enough times people are probably sick 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 of hearing about it Uh, but I went to the gym for the first time in four months the other day and my legs are stiff and and, and restricting ranges of motion and it's pulling It's, it's just pulling up there because once you've worked those muscles out they're tight so we always recommend to you guys to at some point later in the day normally immediately after but you can also do it later to do some stretching work on those glutes because once they get doms they get that little bit of soreness and tightness delayed onset muscle soreness in those muscles it is going to have a limiting factor on your lower back and one of the important principles that we cover in the back in shape is that we must have good flexibility in this hip joint here so that the hips can function effectively to move the spine around rather than the spine having to do it as soon as we finish a strong maybe it's some bridging work etc and our glutes and our hamstrings tighten up it means that they don't quite move as well so our spine is having to and that is what you're feeling right now after doing that working out so we're maybe not doing enough in the way of stretching or we're just going through the natural process of being a little bit sore afterwards. I know that my movement is impaired a little bit as a result of of that first workout, but the good news is is as your body gets stronger, as you get more able to to, to recover from these sessions and as your body adapts, you get less longer-term soreness after the workout and you'll find that it will have a lesser impact on your general flexibility and obviously little things that can help. We use the vibration gun that's here. I've been using that daily um, more recently just to make sure that my hips are as flexible as possible, even though it's a little bit uncomfortable to do at the moment because of that soreness after the workout. So it's definitely worth, um, it's definitely something that's normal. Don't worry about it, but we want to be conscious that after we've done those workouts and our legs do stiffen up a little bit, we wanna do a little bit of stretching, maybe some vibration if you've got something like that around the house to make sure that we are a little bit more careful in those few days afterwards.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, And a little bit
0: of ice on the lower back doesn't go amiss.
1: Marie just jumped in and she said, thank you, that was my question answered. Brilliant. Okay. I'm going to move on to Facebook now. Keep coming, guys, because we are, you know, the the Q&A is for you. We want to help you as much as possible. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Joe has asked here, how hard should the phase two or three workouts be? Are you likely to be in pain or sore the day after these?
0: Um, I think that entirely depends. Um, We get some people that come in, they're generally healthy, active people that have been doing gym work or whatever in the past, and they start the phase one and maybe, sorry, the phase two, uh, and maybe it's a little bit difficult and there's not too much in the way of soreness. Maybe there's a little bit of soreness in some of the muscles that they haven't worked before because they're not used to doing it, but they can do all of the necessary reps. Maybe it's three sets of 10 and they start on that quite comfortably. There's a little bit of soreness the next day, but nothing too untoward. Others, however, struggle to even lift their leg up properly uh, and effectively without losing the core engagement. And if this is you and you're struggling to do two or three reps of those exercises, we often recommend, in fact, that when you move into phase two, you do phase, uh, you do your phase one in the morning, you do your phase two in the middle of the day, and then your phase one later on in the day because we're keeping those hips flexible, remember? We don't want them to tighten up like we just mentioned in the last question. And then the next day, we would just do all phase one working on the flexibility, icing, et cetera. And then we'd go the third day, we'd go back in and do phase one, phase two, phase one. And that is often necessary. Remember that these workouts are designed to challenge our body. They're designed to stimulate those muscles. And there will be a little bit of muscle uh, of muscle inflammation after these workouts. That is exactly the process that we need in order to build muscle. So they should be challenging. They should be working you quite hard for you. So if that means Hard for you is three reps of the dead bugs, for example, or three squats, then that's okay. It doesn't matter where you start, but you might feel a little bit of soreness afterwards, which is why we suggest that easing yourself into the phase two rather than going in full hog. But with time, you'll find that that soreness decreases and you can do more with less soreness. So that is sort of where it should be. As regards to the overall intensity of the workout, you guys have probably seen if you're in the phase two stuff, you've seen me going through the workout. So that kind of gives you a gauge for how intense it should be. The phase two, And then the phase three should be a little bit of a cardiovascular workout once we've got the technique right. Maybe it takes you a week or so just to get the technique right on all of them. And then you can start enjoying the routine. And that means it should be a bit of a physically arduous workout as well from a cardiovascular point of view. And and the phase three, both of the new and the new phase three workout, which we shot the video for yesterday. um, That got me pretty tired, (laughs) which was good. (laughs) It was good fun. and I was a bit sore, as I said. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Hot weather didn't help. Yeah, these, this, this temperature right now is, is <laughs> quite a lot.
1: Okay, all right, Kate has asked here, following a certain medical routine I have to do, I still uh, get cramp, uh, abdominal cramps when doing the core exercises. Um, it is, uh, is it still that my core is not strong enough yet, despite doing the exercises, trying to strengthen more doing the core throughout the day as well?
0: Okay, so that, um, I think the reaction that you're getting in the core is actually okay. The mistake we're making here is if we're doing more of the core exercises. So you were speaking to someone on the phone the other day about they'd done two two lots of the phase two for the first time. And then the next day they're they're in a lot of trouble. Um, Guys, remember, and this goes back to something that I briefly touched on on one of the earlier questions. Work out in one period of time. So, especially when we're doing phase two stuff and we're trying to get things stronger, do your workout in your workout's time, but then it is the recovery process that's getting you stronger. Sometimes people will do multiple phase two workouts because they think, oh, well, if I do more and more and more, it'll be better. And that's not necessarily the case. We've set out a clear structure for you guys to go from three sets of 10 to five sets of 10 to five sets of 15, not three sets of 15 first, five sets of 10. Then five sets of 15. There's reasons for that because it slowly ups the intensity. And if you're doing that one workout a day, you're allowing your body, you know, you're getting your good nutrition on board, you maybe your vitamins, your protein, your good quality diet from, from food, etc., adequate hydration, adequate sleep. And it's those other practices outside the workout that allow you to benefit from the workout. That is so, so important. So overdoing it, going, oh, do you know what I'm really struggling with the core engagement or my core is very, very weak, maybe I could only do one or two or five of the dead bugs to start with um saying okay well i'm gonna do the dead bugs five times a day that's that's a little bit too much you're not giving your body time to recover we need to tone it back a little bit think about the think about the intensity that you might have done in in the gym or or physical activity as a child when when children go into sort of rugby or football etc they do one session a week and it's sort of 30 40 50 minutes of training or games are shorter and then as they go through their teenage years they then start to do more and more training well if you're just getting it back into the core and you're struggling with it and you've got a long way to go in terms of strength to get to an adequate level of strength don't overcook it by doing more than what we recommend
1: okay Pauline has asked a really good question here what are the indicators that you are ready to move on to phase two and once and once, just answering that, can you also just maybe recap for everybody the combo, i.e. doing phase one in the morning, phase two around lunchtime, phase one in the evening again?
0: Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So um, with the, with regards to phase one, the phase one is there if you're struggling to get out of bed. Like if you if you can't get out of bed and leave the house, you're in that much trouble, then you need to do the phase one. And phase one is also there as a relapse routine. So if you do overstrain it, you have to run for the bus or, you know, you have to, I don't know, some, some, some accident, then phase one is, is 100%. You drop back down to that. And many of you guys along the way know, I think we discussed it the other day in the mental health one, that there are bumps along the road with back pain and recovering, especially if we've got more complex conditions there uh, in the background. So the phase one is for that if you are but the, the problem with the phase 1 or the not the problem but the the characteristic you need to be mindful of is that that is not changing anything from a strength point of view often people are very anxious about getting into phase 2 phase 2 is necessary if you can walk for 15 minutes or so if you can go up and down the stairs during your day then you need to be doing phase 2 it's going to be challenging but the exercises are there with the instruction and as long as you do those exercises technically well they will be fine for you. It may be difficult to do them technically well, so you will need to persevere, but there is no reason anyone at all with any condition should not be doing those exercises. Those with more complex conditions, we've mentioned before, one in particular, spondylolisthesis, which is a little bit more of a severe condition. um, And that's where we've got a little bit of a forward shift in the spine. That's a problem if you do the dead bugs wrong, which means that you must focus on doing them correctly. And therefore if it takes you a little bit longer to get used to the technique that's okay but we do need to move into phase two because it's only with phase two that we start to build strength and stability in those muscles and that is what is protecting you from future relapses and that means that if you do have a few bumps you're not going back to square one because you've made some strengthening improvement so phase two is really where it's where your recovery starts phase one is sometimes just necessary to get you out of the bed and and into doing some sort of physical activity
1: okay brilliant i hope that helps pauline um karen has asked now that uh, now that uh classes are open back up and running at the gym is reformer pilates a good class to join
0: um yeah i mean we always in the clinic anyway we say that reformer pilates is a good one um obviously they need to be aware of, of your condition um you know there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's generally what I would recommend from a, from a Pilates point of view, because use, that's why we recommend you guys to use the bands in the phase three, because using resistance means that you don't need to use gravity and it makes things a little bit easier to enhance your workouts.
1: Okay. Brilliant. Um, just on classes, I wanted to ask a question about, you mentioned about flattening the lordosis and not doing that when you're working out. Um, in my body pump class, when we're doing chest press, Uh, we're told to flatten the lordosis doing chest press, is that wrong?
0: Um, so the reason that you're told, so this is always helpful, you know. Um, and, and in things like the Reform and Pilates, you're probably if you do that, you're probably going to be told to flatten your lordosis. And this is why we try and drum these things into you guys so you can understand it so that you can take a, a good exercise and just slightly tweak it so it's more applicable to you as an individual. Because these guys that are they are recommending these classes, for example, are doing it for different reasons. So if we take the flattening lordosis in the example of a Pilates, the reason they're trying you to flatten your lordosis is so that you don't do that. Okay, but you cannot do that extend if you just hold yourself in neutral. It's about building strength. It's just easier to do it if you tuck your bum under, but that's not applicable to real life. With regards to the example there of lying on your back doing the chest press, the reason that they instruct you to, flatten your back to the to the ground is to do with in, engaging the chest muscles. When you do a chest press, there's a natural tendency to arch your back because it helps stimulate the lower part of your chest. It helps you work the, the, that section of your chest muscles. When you're doing those classes, they want you to isolate probably the whole of the chest girdle, including the shoulders. So by flattening your back to the ground, you're able to more effectively engage the upper part of your chest, the top section here in through the shoulders. So it's nothing to do, they're not telling you to do that for your back they're telling you to do that for your chest in order to get a better chest contraction so it's it's always worth understanding these things and that's why a question like that is really really helpful because it's nothing that's nothing to do with your back and actually in that particular scenario the weight isn't going through your back anyway so you're not necessarily it's not going to be an issue for the spine okay but if we if they were to tell you to do that and then do a crunch or leg raise that's another another kettle of fish because there we are involving the lumbar spine
1: brilliant okay Hope that makes wonderful. sense yeah i know that was really great okay brilliant yes uh some people just saying yes thank you so much a uh, good recap on this session uh, I'm glad yeah, yeah that's why that's kind of
0: stretch. why we wanted to do it because i know some people when they start to get um you know you've been out of action for a little while you want to get back into physical exercise and you want to just add back in some things you're like, oh i'll do some sit-ups they're okay you know they're easy and we just want to make sure you guys don't fall into traps
1: um, just wanted to mention on the live, just because I am going to the post office today. Um, we did launch the multivitamin yesterday, yep. so if anybody wants to place an order for the uh, multivitamin, please do so before eleven o'clock, because then I'm going to go to the post office and post those out to yep. you today.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, an hour and a half or so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, any other questions? No,
1: that's that's everything. Uh, Alex just said, uh, have a really great day and have a great You too. Great weekend, Enjoy the guys. sunshine, awesome, everybody. So it's it's a
0: lovely day here. Um, or it's going to be maybe not so lovely later on in the day it's gonna be pretty hot really so um, enjoy yourselves guys get we've got some vitamin d today anyway that's gonna be good for us uh, hopefully you found this this live stream useful anyway today I know for a, a lot of you guys it's going to be a little bit of a recap but hopefully one that has been helpful if you're new to the channel please do consider subscribing we do do these live streams every single weekday the 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 q a at the end of the at the end of the live stream is there to help you guys and and it's great to see so many of you asking awesome questions today as well they help not only only you who's asking the question but they help many others who are watching this either at the time or after the fact so we do know a lot of you guys watch this after the, after we've done the live stream so those questions are super helpful we can't think of all the questions you've got and and that's why we really appreciate you guys taking part and hopefully it's giving you guys some really helpful advice so have a great weekend everybody enjoy the sunshine this afternoon and we will see you on monday with another live stream have a great one take care guys